Pure Dog Talk is the voice of purebred dogs. We talk to the legends of the sport and give you the tips and tools to create an awesome life with your purebred dog. From showing to preservation breeding, from competitive obedience to field work, from agility to therapy dogs, and all the fun in between, your passion is our purpose. All right, crew, check it. Dog events are happening. For exhibitors who are able and willing to attend these events, it feels as if our tribe has been reunited once again. Meanwhile, for folks who are continuing to feel safest staying at home and away from crowds, and for folks who are driving long haul between far-flung events, I gotcha. I've been working hard to bring you all podcast episodes that help you feel connected to our larger community and offer opportunities for education and entertainment, no matter how you have managed through this truly overwhelming year. One of my favorite events this year is the monthly virtual Pure Dog Talk After Dark for patrons of our podcast. Anybody can join this fabulous community of dog enthusiasts by visiting the website and clicking on the Become a Patron link on the homepage. And while you're there zooming around on the site, you might think about checking out our shopping tab too. We've linked dog show vendors from all around the country so you can help support them during this really grueling loss of income suffered due to a lack of events. There's even a swag link that lets you order your Pure Dog Talk t-shirt, sweatshirt, fan case, mask, (laughs) ringside towel, and so much more. Like the NPR of dogdom, Pure Dog Talk is here for you every day to make sense out of everyday things to add nuance to your understanding and tools to your tech box, to bring history to life and propel the living history of purebred dogs into the future. So check out the links at www.puredogtalk.com. Your support adds up to a huge voice for purebred dogs. Welcome to Pure Dog Talk. I am your host, Laura Reeves, and our topic today is a listener request from our vast Pure Dog Talk listenership. So thank you, listeners, for always giving me great ideas to follow up on. And I'm very excited to be joined today by two of my very favorite people, Shannon and Sydney Stone. They run ICSB NorCal. And today, we are going to talk about swimmers. Yes, we're going to talk about fresh chilled semen. We are going to talk about frozen semen, all of the various extenders and the media that you use to keep the semen alive and happy. We're going to talk about how to get a good collection and how to package it so that it arrives alive. So welcome, ladies. Thank you so much for joining me. 
We're thrilled to be with you. Thanks for having us. So, Shannon, let's start with fresh chilled semen. What are some of the extenders that are available, some of the media that we can use when we collect our dog for a fresh chilled shipment? And how do we know which ones to use? Exactly. If we have a owner come to us and say, I've got a hot new stud dog, we're planning on doing probably a lot of chilled shipments, our first recommendation, and this goes to anybody that's ever going to chill semen, do a chilled test on your dog. There's nothing than having a client come in, bitch on done all the progesterone, that says hammer time. We bring the dog for a collection. The owner has no idea what media does she use this dog in, and they seem it on the other end because right. it wasn't the right test. I think it's important to know that that does happen. So talk to us about why it happens. Why do we see issues with dogs reacting to the different media that Fresh Chill can be sent in? So basically, what a chill test does is we collect the dog. We will extend that collection in all the medias we have available. We would do the ICSB, Symbiotics, the Canapro, the ST, and the LT. And we do the initial count motility, and then we check that for five to seven days. So every day we then do the same thing. We do a motility check and we basically just chart it. And after a couple of days, sometimes you see an immediate reaction. Like the next day you have no motility. So, you know, immediately that's not a fit for that dog. Right. And some dogs will maintain motility over two days and then fall off. So basically that's the chill test. You just want to find out what your dog ships the best in and maintains the integrity of the sample the longest. First step, the ICSB media is an egg yolk based media. The others are not. Most dogs do collect and ship well in an egg yolk based media. Some dogs just do not. And that's the good thing about a chill test. You find out before there's all that money on the line what works and what doesn't. The egg yolk-based medias typically are very user-friendly. You can do these at home. You collect your dog. There's no centrifuging the sample. You add it right to the vial of media, and off you go. You're talking about different types of media. What are some of the kits? Like, I know clone and mini tube and some of those kind of things. Can you give us kind of a rundown on those and ones you like and ones you don't like? It's not that you don't really like them. It all boils down to what fits your dog. Right. The kits are basically the same. I mean, you get your shipper, you have the ice pack, and we'll get into that about the best way to actually pack your shipment. But it just basically boils down to finding the best media for your dog. Okay. You know, there's so many good medias on the market right now. It's just what's the best fit for your dog and what works best for you as a stud owner. You know, how technical do you want to get? Right. Probably some of the best collections we see are ones where either the owner has a centrifuge or they took the dog to a vet and the collection 
is centrifuged, and we're only getting that sperm-rich fraction added to the media. I think we talked about this in one of our previous. Right. Prostatic fluid is nature's supercharger. So picture a sample, a raw sample with prostatic fluid left on it being shipped out. That prostatic fluid is doing what it's meant to do. It's getting that semen there as fast as it can. So you've got semen working at full speed. They're going to be reduced somewhat by the chill. So if you centrifuge that prostatic fluid off, you're basically slowing that semen down naturally and giving that extender a chance to work, which is buffering the semen and giving it food. And then when you warm it up, it acts as the prosthetic fluid would. I know that's a little no, more that's than a good. lot of people I think it's do. good. I really wanted to do a deep dive on this because to me it's just fascinating. Yeah. And what works and what doesn't. So ICSB and most of the extenders are designed to keep the sperm going for what, like two or three days? And there are a few now that are giving you more days to work with if you have to go over a weekend or you've got stuff like that. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, basically, kind of a rule of thumb that we've seen is no matter what media you're using, you can expect, and I mean, there's always the rare exception. Right. You can expect the loss of integrity to be about 20% per day that you're holding a sample. Okay. So say you get a sample in on Friday or Saturday, but the bitch really isn't going to be ready to breed till like Monday or Tuesday. Here, we have the ability to do this. We can check the semen, and if we need to add a little bit, as long as we know what media was sent in, you know, you can sometimes add a little fresh media to perk it up. What we say to our clients that are going to be shipping, basically, the thing to think about is, A sample is always better in the bitch than in the box. Right. If it's in the bitch, it's warmed up to the temperature it belongs. Nature made the anatomy and the physiology the way it did for a reason. If you're starting with good semen and you use a good extender, which basically all of them out there are good quality extenders right now. And if your timing is close, put it in your bitch. Don't leave it in the fridge that perfect day. Right. Because at that point, you're not having any chance of fertilizing anything. Right. What are your thoughts, Sid? Yeah, it's definitely better to have that semen in the bitch. That way, once those eggs are ready and fully mature, it's already there rather than sitting in the fridge or in the box slowly dying off. Sad, lonely swimmers. My mother had a favorite expression, breed early, breed often. So that's sort of breeder wisdom there. So then talk to us a little bit because the media for fresh chilled is different than the media for frozen. Frozen is also somewhat more limited. Am I correct? Absolutely. Yeah. Let's talk. Right, exactly. So let's talk a little bit about frozen semen, the media that is available, and the differences between those media. So with frozen, some of your really common medias are going to be ICSB, Chamlock Farms, 
or clone. Those are really the three most popular. And the Mini 2 has a freeze media as well. Oh, interesting. Um, I didn't know that. Yes. Typically, ICSB and Camelot, you're going to get facilities that freeze in pellets, where Clone and the Mini 2 is typically frozen in straws. Okay. And it was designed for straws. Each facility has their own personal preference on straws versus pellets, and there's a lot of pros and cons, but in the end, as long as the process was done properly, you should get a good post-thaw and have a successful breeding. It doesn't necessarily matter the actual breed process. Was it done in pellets or straws? Okay. But you got to go back again, just like with the chills. You can take your dog all hot to trot to a facility, let's get him frozen, and you don't get a good post-thaw. That doesn't mean that dog's never going to freeze successfully. Try a different media. Try a different protocol. We've seen dogs that we can't freeze in pellets. Why? We have no idea. But they can freeze successfully in straws. Hmm. It is a different freezing method. So, obviously, one may work better for a particular dog. This is just kind of a little tidbit, food for thought. Yes. Pellets versus straws. Because we have such good technology now, we can use frozen semen that's been, dog's been deceased for 30 years. I've done it, yeah. Yeah, but now, 30 years ago, we didn't have to DNA that dog. Oh, yeah. Now we do. So with pellets, because you can go out and take out individual pellets, we have the ability to take one or two pellets from one or two breeding units. So we're not compromising the numbers too much. Mm-hmm. We can send that to AKC or whatever, you know, paw prints, vet gen, whatever genetics testing you want to do, they can do that right from the semen. That's easy with pellets. With straws, you typically have to waste at a minimum, a half to three to a full straw. Wow. Yeah. And so with straws, when you're having to use that much semen, you know, that could be 50 to 70 million sperm cells we're losing just because we need to do testing on that semen. Right. So that is really one advantage of freezing in pellets versus straws. Right. And then it gets down to the thawing. It's a totally different protocol for thawing. And so you always want to use a vet that, you know, if your dog's frozen in pellets, make sure that vet knows how to thaw pellets. Because if you thaw pellets like you do straws, you're going to cook the semen. It's a much shorter process to thaw pellets and a much longer process to thaw straws. So you really need to do your research. Know your repro vet knows which method you're using, and it's comfortable doing it. Right. Same thing with the medias. There's egg yolk-based medias, like the ICSB and Camelot. Those have some antibiotics in them as well. And they're a heavier glycerin load on that media. And I think that's why it's such a overall good quality and well-liked media, because it's more buffered for that semen. It really protects it during the freeze process. And 
it just overall really, you know, the dogs seem to like it. Right. Um, but going back, just like the chills, mm-hmm. know what your dog freezes in because you'll spend a lot of money getting mediocre results when you could get outstanding results just trying a different media. Right. Well, yeah. and like I said, I have personally encountered dogs that would not extend at all. Like, nope, nope, yep. nope, and nope. <laughs> so yep. this is something that who knew until the first time it happened to me. And I think it's important that people hear that this is an option and an issue. So Exactly. Hang tight, guys. Got a little bit of information for you. We'll be right back to the podcast in a minute. Embark is a proud sponsor of Pure Dog Talk. DNA testing is rapidly growing amongst breeders. And given the importance of these test results to the health of not only each dog, but also that of future generations of dogs. At Embark, they believe it's critical to provide transparency in their testing methods that result in more than 99.99% accuracy for health tests. Embark's innovative testing platform enables the hundreds of genetic health and traits test results provided in Embark's products, while also creating research-ready data for use by canine health organizations and scientists. Embark's methods exceed industry quality control standards by also checking the breed, sex, and relatives of every sample to ensure DNA samples are correctly labeled and unique identity is recorded. In addition to quality control, this helps fraud prevention by ensuring the same dog can't be tested multiple times without Embark knowing. At Embark, they're proud of their world-class canine DNA testing service, and they're committed to continually raising the bar. They're on a mission to provide breeders and all dog owners with the high level of accuracy they need to optimize their breeding programs, manage the lifetime care of their dogs, and improve the health of future generations of dogs. Haven't used Embark yet? Get your first Embark for Breeders dog DNA test for $99 right now. You use the code TRYEMBARK99 at EmbarkVet.com backslash breeders. That's TRYEMBARK99 at EmbarkVet.com backslash breeders we got a sample in the other day for a chilled breeding was a regular box you you know buy for a chilled shipment and everything was good i'm unpacking it the ice packs are in there there's some buffering paper in between the ice packs and the bag with the sample in it i open the bag and they've got the two vials of semen literally enveloped around a gel pool pack. Oh, boy. So, exactly. So, instead of buffering that semen and just keeping it chilled, they almost froze that semen. Right. Luckily, we got it back, but it was real touch and go. It was, instead of two good samples we had to use, we had to be kind of creative, and that was purely by packaging. They just got it too cold. Okay, so I think this is a great topic because... Not everybody has a veterinarian to do their collections and their extending and their shipping or necessarily have a veterinarian that knows as much as you guys do. 
So let's give people the rundown. How do you literally ship the vials of semen extended so that they will make it? There's external temperature. There's in-the-box temperature. Talk to us about that. Basically, there's really the two rules of thumb you want to really think about because it's hard to maintain. You're shipping on frozen ice bricks. Right. So it's really hard to maintain a constant temperature. Basically, not too warm and not too cold. When you buy these boxes, they typically come with a buffering system, whether it's a styrofoam layer that goes over the ice pack between that and the sample. Some of them have little styrofoam sleeves you can put the vials in. Like with ICSB, they use a lot of paper, Mm -hmm. shipping paper, packaging paper. There's really not one that's better than the other. It's just whatever you're comfortable using. But basically, you want to put your ice packs in, and this depends also on the time of year. If you're shipping in the dead of summer, you don't need quite as much buffer material in between the sample and the ice pack versus if you're shipping in wintertime and it's going to Minnesota (laughs) and you know it's going to be 10 below, you need a lot of buffer. When we ship in the winter, our packaging, we do a thick layer of packing paper. We'll go from probably five to six layers in the summer to maybe nine or ten in the winter. You want to really buffer that because the worst thing that can happen to a chilled shipment is it gets frozen. Right. We've actually bought labels for our boxes that tell FedEx or the airlines, whatever, do not freeze because that's just the kiss of death. The minute that sample freezes, it's done. Right. It's not ideal, but I would actually like it to get a little warmer than too cold. So you have a person that wants to do it at home, has the ability to do their dog's collections. First thing I'm going to tell them is make sure you label that sample, that there's some kind of writing on the vial that says the breed, the dog, a call name, a registered name, something to identify. If you're shipping to a vet clinic and they've got three or four breedings lined up and they're getting samples shipped in, the worst thing that can happen to you is they get a box in that it's got a vial of semen in it. (laughs) And we've had it happen. We don't know all the stud owners that are shipping to us. If they don't put any information... It just takes a lot of time to backtrack. Is this the right sample? You know, you have to just label the sample. Even if you slap a piece of paper in that box that says this is Rover for, you know, Fido. (laughs) Right. Just give us an idea of what's in that box. Your packaging. Most boxes will come with instructions on how to package that semen that's appropriate for that product. You know, whether it be a mini tube box, uh, ICSB puppy pack, they all come with instructions. Follow those instructions. They're there for a reason. Best scenario, make sure you do a overnight, priority overnight shipment. Right. One of the things Shannon and I wanted to touch back on, and Sid, maybe you can give us some thoughts on this too. So doing a collection, you've got a dog that either is uncomfortable at the vet clinic, is nervous, is low libido, you don't have a teaser bitch, whatever the situation, 
can you, you know, as our final piece of this, can you walk us through a way to help ensure that you're actually starting with an entirely good collection of semen? I think the dog being comfortable is such a key part, especially a lot of us, we show dogs. We do collections at the dog shows, and a lot of collection facilities, we use pop-up tents. Some dogs just aren't going to be comfortable, and reading those dogs, you don't want to push them because we definitely do not want them to have a bad experience. Sometimes you need to get a little creative if that dog walks in that tent and you see instantly he is not comfortable. If your client has a motorhome and that's where he's comfortable, if you have to do a collection in the middle of your living room in the motorhome, <laughs> so be it if that what makes that dog comfortable. A teaser bitch is an amazing thing. Yes. Typically, once a dog, whether they're nervous, it's their first time, whatever the situation is, if you can track down a good teaser bitch, that can make your life so much easier. And we do typically get a better collection, a higher sperm count when there is a teaser bitch available. Mm -hmm. If you're doing collections at home and you don't have a bitch in heat, call your local repro vet. Call your friends, your breeders that are local. Typically, you can track a bitch down to help you get that collection done. Or on a side note, Cavaliers are known for this. Mm. They are very breed snobs. We did a collection clinic a month ago and had a wonderful little whippet bitch as a teaser. She would play with them. She would flirt with them. He wanted none of that. Yes. <laughs> and his owner said, well, you know, he loves my spay bitch at home. And I said, go home and get her and bring him back. We collected that dog on his spay bitch friend that he adored. Because he was comfortable with that. Right. So if you're at home and you're having to do the collection for a shipment, if he adores your little spade smooth box terrier, use that. Right. Another thing you can do is when you have a bitch in heat, kind of gross, but take some swab. Yeah. You know, get some Kleenex, some paper towel, swab her vulva, and then put it in a Ziploc bag and put it in your freezer. That way, if you need to do a collection and you don't have access to a bitch in season, a lot of times you can use that with another bitch just standing there mm -hmm. and you can get a better collection. Right. Yeah. We dog people tend to have an odd selection of strange things in our freezers. <laughs> exactly. One thing I want to stress to breeders, just at general, whether you're going to the vet, whether you're doing them at home. When you're training your stud dog, and that's what it is, it's training them to be collected, you want to start out right. How many times have I had a client come in, and we're trying to collect their dog, and he gets a little pushy with the bitch or overexcited, and they immediately jerk him and say, no, no. Right. When you're in that position, that dog never hears those two letters put together. You know, we can redirect their behavior a little bit, but don't ever tell them no, because you can create a problem that you cannot fix. And we've seen that happen. Just dogs that will not be collected. You know, they do natural breedings just fine, but the minute you go to touch them, they've been told so many times, 
don't hump my leg, don't do this, don't right. do this. They just don't collect. And nine out of ten times, it's all man-made. Interesting. And so just yeah. final commentary. I mean, you guys will know the answer. I have no idea. What is the physical mechanism that the dog says, nope, I'm not giving you any sperm. I have it, but you can't have it. It's totally mental. Basically, it's all about having that dog so in tune to what you're doing that they just don't worry about anything else. And you can have a real tense dog, and you can just visually see his reaction stop when he totally kind of zones out during that collection. Right. And at that point, because we've had dogs that we've collected and fully bulbed up, you know, they've wanted to turn just like doing a natural breeding, and they just will not drop that second fraction. And it's difficult. When you get a dog like that, there's really no set answer. It's just getting them comfortable enough, the right pressure. Some mm -hmm. dogs like to be held a little looser. Some dogs like to be held a little tighter. It's just you have to know your dog and kind of change things up to accommodate him. You know, it's not one size fits all. Yeah, but I think that there's so much involved in this. I am always an advocate for hire a trained professional. <laughs> Do not try this at home. But that's me. Other people have great success and more power to them. Yeah. But I'm a fan of people who know their job and do it well. So thank you. You guys are just always an incredible treasure trove of knowledge. And I cannot thank you enough for sharing it with our listeners. Well, we enjoy it. You know, this is our life. We chose this path for a reason. And we all want for all the breeders to have success. So, you know, we're here anytime. We love talking to you and all your listeners. So anytime. Excellent. Well, Shannon, thank you so much. I really, really appreciate it. Thanks, Sid. Thank you. As always, if you have any questions or input, we'd love to hear from you. The show notes and links to resources on today's topic are available at puredogtalk.com. Drop us a note in the comments or email to laura at puredogtalk.com. Remember, guys, this podcast is for you. So if you want to know something, give me a holler. We'll do a podcast for you. If you wouldn't mind, you could help me out here. Take a couple minutes to visit iTunes and give us a review. The Dog Show Superintendents Association is a proud supporter of Pure Dog Talk. Our dog show superintendents are the hardworking people who make the dog show function. They are advocates for education and mentorship in the purebred dog fancy. So stop by the Supers desk at your next show. Tell them how much you love Pure Dog Talk and give them a shout out for their support. That's all for today. Thank you for joining us on Pure Dog Talk. 